It was 1971 on the record number four. British rock band Led Zeppelin released a song by the title Stairway to Heaven. The song mentions a woman in the opening stanza. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. There are many people down through history, and even today, right now, in Melbourne even, who are buying a stairway to heaven, or at least they're trying. They're trying to earn favor with God, trying to earn a place for themselves in heaven. The Bible, the word of God, from cover to cover, spells out a different truth. It teaches that access to the stairway of heaven is a gift of God's grace. It can't be purchased, can't be earned. It's a gift of God's grace, and he wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to each and every person. We see this all the way. We've seen it all the way through Genesis. From the beginning, from the garden, when Adam and Eve fell, and the pursuit of the Lord to them, to redeem them, to cover their shame and their nakedness. And we've seen it even in recent passages. We saw it in Abraham's life as he was called out of Babylon to serve the Lord. We saw it in Isaac's life as he was given favor with God, blessing and prosperity and the presence of God in his life. And we'll see it here in the life of Jacob. He and his mother, in our last passage, his mother Rebekah had conspired together to gain the blessing of Isaac meant for the firstborn Esau. And in our text tonight, we'll see that Jacob, as a result of that, as a result of that whole conspiracy, will be on the run. He'll be a, a man on the run. But he will also be pursued by the Lord, blessed by the Lord, and given access to the stairway to heaven. So let's look at this passage tonight, a stairway to heaven, and see how it is the Lord who pursues us, even in our shortcomings, even in our failings, and that he wants to make things right, he wants it to be right with him, and he wants to bless us. The, the beginning of the process to find the stairway to heaven begins on the path of faith. Let's pick it up in Genesis 28. Let's read it. Verse 1, it says this. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. And charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob, and Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that he had blessed him and gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. 
and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. And also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar, to be his wife in addition to the wives that he had. The path of faith. If you're going to have access to the stairway to heaven, you got to begin on the path of faith. And, and this is what Jacob does here. Path of faith is really where the rubber meets the road in following the Lord, in obeying the Lord and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ and the commands of the Lord and beginning to understand the plan that he has for your life. We've got to have ears to hear what the Lord is saying to us so that we can understand what it is that he wants for our lives and so that we can find the path of faith and we can follow the path of faith all of our days. In this opening section of Genesis 28, Isaac blesses Jacob and he charges him. He now knows that it's Jacob. Remember the last chapter, Jacob and Rebekah, his mother, came up with this whole plan about how they were going to deceive Isaac. And, you know, Isaac's uh, vision had gone dim. And so he came in there with, you know, some, you know, fur lined motorcycle jacket or something to deceive his, his, his father Isaac into thinking that he was Esau. And, and so now he comes to his father and his father in full awareness that it is Jacob and realizing that the blessing, that the birthright had been given, the blessing had been given, and now he's blessing Jacob. But there's one thing that he wants him to obey, and he says, look, if you're going to have this birthright, if you're going to have the blessing of God upon your life, then I, you cannot take for yourself a wife from among the Canaanites. We, 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 I, I'm going to have to have you go. We're going to send you up to your mother's family to take a, a wife from Bethuel, her father, from Laban, his son, and your mother's brother, Laban, and, and to take a wife from among our people. And so this is the, the charge. Go to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And so if Jacob is going to be the vessel through whom the covenant would continue and through whom the seed of the Messiah would arrive, he could not be unequally yoked with a Canaanite woman. Now, if you've been following along in the passage, you know that Esau has already violated this idea. And he has taken unto himself uh, these, these Canaanite women. And the passages have already reminded us that this was a, a great hardship for Isaac and Rebekah. And Rebekah actually came to the point of saying, look, I can't even deal with this anymore. If this is my lot in life, to deal with these women that... Esau has taken his wives. Ugh, I, I don't know if I can deal with it. So, but the truth of the reality is, if Jacob is now going to be the one whom the blessing of God is resting upon and whom the, the covenant is going to continue through and the seed of God is going to continue through, then he can't go to the women of Canaan and select a wife. He can't go there. He cannot be, in that sense, unequally yoked. And it's the same with us. We should not make any decision to be unequally yoked in our lives. And really, I mean, there's, there's three great decisions that every person will make in their life. 
The greatest decision that you can ever make in your life is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't made that decision, then there's a, a decision by default that's already been made. Hopefully, you'll come to that place where you'll make that decision. But if you haven't made that decision, there is a default position of having not chosen, having not received the Lord into your life. So that's number one. The greatest decision is to follow the Lord Jesus in your life. The second greatest decision is deciding who it is you're going to spend your life with. If you're you're going to get married, you do not have the gift of singleness, the gift of celibacy. Not many do. There are some. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7 and other places. But if you don't have that, he says, take yourself a wife. But we're not to be unequally yoked. Women, we're not to be unequally yoked with a man that, that, that is not going to serve the Lord, is not going to bring you to the, to the foot of the cross. And men, we're not to be unequally yoked either. And I have never, I've contemplated this, I've never understood a mixed religion marriage. A mixed religion marriage. A mixed faith, they call it, right? Mixed race, all that, fine. Mixed faith. It basically says to me that neither one are taking either one of the faiths to be that important. Because if the faiths were that important, you wouldn't want to spend the rest of your life with someone that doesn't hold dear the very precious faith that you have. And so I've never understood that. And it's a great advice uh, to not end up in any type of Mixing when it comes to faith. Now, what if you find yourself as a Christian and you're in that situation or maybe the two of you were not saved and and one gets saved? Then what's the answer? Well, Paul actually addresses that actual topic in the book of Corinthians. And he says that if you can live together in peace and, and no one wants to leave, then then stay and continue on and and be that witness of the Lord and and be that person who shines forth the love of God and the gospel of Christ in your life. But God has called us to peace, and so if there's turmoil and there's just an unbelievable friction, God has not called us to uh, warfare in that sense. In the home, he's called us to peace. And so there you have the answer. But Paul very specifically encourages the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, in case you were wondering where this passage was, he says this, and, and for the young people, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And so we've got to be very careful. We've got to be full of the Lord's wisdom on this issue. This is, again, the first and greatest decision that you'll ever make is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all your life. The second biggest decision is to decide who you're going to spend it with. And then the third one, in case you were wondering, um, is what are you going to do with your life? And what, in, in that sense, what is the calling of God upon your life and following after that? So, not to be unequally yoked. So the charge is go to, the, to, to Bethuel, your father, your mother's father, and select uh, and, and find a wife amongst our people. And then, and then Isaac blesses Jacob. 
some more. And he says this, pick it up, verse 3. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. And so this is kind of just, an, it, it, this is extended blessing upon Jacob. And there's some interesting stuff here. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. And we're going to see that as we go through these chapters. Wow, he multiplies him. And uh, he becomes an, uh, an incredibly large people. And the blessing of Abraham be upon you, to you and your descendants, and also the blessing to inherit the land. And so this is all tied in to the, the blessing of, or the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, first the, the covenant that was, that was given to Abraham, that Abraham, or the Lord, uh, made with Abraham. It's called the Abrahamic covenant, even though the fact it is that the Lord signed the covenant on both sides of the, uh, he signed both signatures. <laughs> It came time from Abraham to sign. He was asleep, and, and the Lord was going to sign both, both, both places anyways. So, so Isaac sent Jacob away to go to Pat and Aram to find a wife amongst their people. And Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to marry a daughter of the house of Bethuel, not from the Canaanites. So what did Esau do? After he'd already taken all these wives from the, from the Canaanites, he says, okay, well, I can, I can at least show mom and dad that I'm like partially listening here, you know. And so he takes a wife from Ishmael's family, which was Abraham's son. And so he takes a, water, a, a, a daughter of Ishmael. And, and now he's got a real mixed situation there. So, but then there's this concluding, uh, this, this idea here, um, in verse 6, it says, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Pat and Aram. And this is really um, kind, of a, kind of a picture of you know, what, what it means to kind of begin to walk on that path of faith. It's not really obeying your father and your mother, but it's obeying the Lord, your heavenly father. Obeying him. And hearing his voice, obeying the, the word of the Father, obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ and responding to it. And here he obeys that. This was the command that he had received. And so by faith, he's going to go to Pat and Aram to, to receive unto himself a wife from Rebecca's family. So we have the path. There's going to be this path and Jacob's going to set out on this path of faith. And this is the beginning. This is where we begin to see the Lord working. And ultimately, he gives us access to the stairway of heaven. So let's pick it up in verse 10, the stairway to heaven. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head. And he lay down in, in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heaven. And there the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. 
And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Jacob. In the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be of the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and south. And in you and in all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a 10th to you. So a path of faith, a ladder to heaven. Jacob leaves Beersheba, he leaves the house with Isaac and Rebekah, and he comes to a certain place, and the sun, sun was setting, the sun was going down, and in that time when the sun was going down and you were on a journey, you camped. You didn't, I mean, the wild, the wild animals were, were a big deal. It's still a big deal. You see these videos on, uh, on, what is it, Facebook? Yeah, that thing, I don't know, I forget. Facebook, yeah, you see these videos of these bears and stuff going after like people's campsites and stuff, and you know, and, and, and going after these Twinkies, right? What's that? Human beings in little pup tents. That's what a Twinkie is to a, to a, to a bear. And, uh, but that was, the, that was the biggest thing out there in, in the wild was just the wild beast. And so when the sun was set, you kind of camped out and, 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 and did that. So that's what Jacob did. And uh, he took a stone and he placed it at his head and laid down to sleep. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, you're going to take, you're going to go get a night's rest. I don't know if this was the in thing. I don't know about getting a rock for a pillow or whatever, but I, I'll just take my nice gel pillow and go to sleep. Anyways, one commentator said this about Jacob taking this rock and placing it at his head. If it's true that a clear conscience makes a soft pillow, it is appropriate that Jacob slept on a pillow of rocks. For after cheating Esau of his birthright and blessing, Jacob's conscience was anything but clear. And so he lays down. Now, we've learned this all the way through from the, from the, the very fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned. They ate from the tree that was in the midst of the garden, the one that God said that you will not eat of that tree. And if in the day that you do eat of it, you will, you will die, right? So since that time that the Lord came following after and finding Adam and Eve, hiding in, in the bushes and making fig leaf clothing and all this, from that very moment forward, God has gone out after the heart of man, after he's gone out as the hound of heaven to pursue every single person because he loves you. He loves you with everything that he is. He is love and he loves you perfectly. 
And he's, he's not going to just give up that easily. He's not going to just let people just stray away and just go without going out after them. And Jesus put it this way. He said, talking about the good shepherd, he said, the good shepherd will leave the 99 behind to go out and find the one that's lost, right? This is the heart of the father. This is the heart of the shepherd, the good shepherd of your soul. And he's going to go out after the one. And there's lots of ones out there that he's going out after. And he's going to continue to pursue you. And he pursues Jacob. And and this is just a testament of that whole idea that God is the pursuer of us. We didn't find God. God finds us. We didn't necessarily choose God. God chose us. He knocked upon our heart's door. And we were made aware of our great need of him. So the person of true faith in God will not be a person that will continually be able to run away from the Lord or run headlong into sin. You might find yourself straying. If you are a true believer, God will come after you. He will leave the 99 and he will come after you. And you will hear the voice of the Spirit. You will hear because he's your true shepherd. And you will not be able to continue. You might think, that's it, I'm giving up. And God's coming after you with everything. And he's calling after you and calling after you. And there's so many that have testimonies like that. Where it's like, you know what? God just kept pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And, you know, the famous poem, The Hound of Heaven, that's actually why I named the first chapter in my book, The Hound of Heaven, was written by the British author about the very fact that, that, that the Lord found him who had left an, uh, an upper middle class household and found himself strung out as an alcoholic on the, on the streets of London. Why? Because God went out after him, after him, after him. And God's never going to give up. He's never going to give up looking out, going out after you. God comes, to, comes near to restore us, to set us on the right path once again. And it's the same for Jacob. And that night, Jacob had a dream. He dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top reached the heaven, and there, there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, this is, a, this is a verse of scripture that when we read it, and I just read it again, you have to kind of think about that. You, wanna, you really want to visualize that. When you're reading through these type of passages, there are some passages where it's like very doctrinal and very whatever, but this is, this is very, this is graphic. And you want to think about that. You want to envision Jacob laying somewhere with a rock pillow and having this dream. And what's the dream? There's a, there's a ladder going straight up all the way to the earth, all the way up into the heaven. And angels ascending and descending on it. And then the Lord stood above it. The Lord himself stood above it. It's a very interesting dream. This has been called Jacob's Ladder. And the Lord said, what did he say? Verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the Lord God of Abraham, your father. I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants 
Also, your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring back, bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And so really, what is it that the Lord is speaking to Jacob in this dream? He is speaking to him the covenant that he spoke to Abraham, his grandfather, right? This is, this is very similar, almost line by line, of the, of the same elements of what God spoke to, to Abraham, that he was, going to, he was going to be blessed and that he was going to multiply him and that all the families of the earth would be blessed through his seed, the seed that is going to come, that's actually speaking of the Messiah that's going to come through the, the lineage of, of them. And so this speaks to us once again how God is the God of, of the generations, that God is the God of each and every generation. He doesn't just come in a period of time and move upon the hearts of men in such a way and then, you know, that's good for like a few generations because, you know, they're going to just pass that on to their kids and then those kids are going to pass it on to the, the grandkids and so on and so forth. And then, and then I'll come back in a four, four or five hundred years and I'll revisit again and, and, then, and this is how we do it. No, no, no. What God does and how we've already seen it work through, through Genesis is that God is the God of the generations. He comes to each and every generation and he speaks his word to each and every generation. He spoke it to Abraham. He spoke it to Isaac. And now we see he's speaking it directly to Jacob. And it's the same for us that God is the God of the generations on our behalf, that he comes to this generation. That he's, that he's is coming to this generation and proclaiming his word, proclaiming his gospel to this generation. And that's why each and every generation is, is without excuse because the gospel is being preached and the, the message of the word of God going forth. And so he's the God of the generations. And what does he speak? He speaks the covenant to Jacob. God spoke it to Abraham. He spoke it to Isaac. And he speaks the covenant to Jacob here. God repeats the promise. In your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm giving you this land. I'm giving you this land. You're going to spread out from the east to the west to the north to the south. You're going to spread out across this land. And I'm giving you this land, this very land that you are on right now. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This takes you, takes you back and harkens back to Genesis 12 and exactly what God spoke to, to Abraham. But it, but it also takes you all the way back to Genesis 3, right? Remember when in the curse, actually God spoke to the man. He spoke to the woman. He spoke to the serpent, the Nakash. And he said there was going to be a a battle of seeds. And that's why if you watch the trailer and you're just coming into the series and you say, what's this battle of seeds? This whole book is about the battle of seeds. You go back to Genesis 3 and he says there was going to be the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And there's going to be this enmity between these two seeds. There's going to be this battle that's going to be playing out all throughout history. And the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so, through your seed, Jacob, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Can come 
unto the blessing of God because of what is going to happen through your seed. There's going to be one, this seed is going to come, and that was speaking of Christ. Amen? Amen. The seed of the woman. And then he says, I am with you, and I will bring you back to this land. Now, what was Jacob's response to all this? Jacob was blown away. He was literally just blown, his mind blown with this. He was blown away at the presence of God. He called the place, the place was called, the town was called Luz, L-U-Z. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like a very happening place. Where are you from? Luz, you know? I think there's a town in Florida called Luz. Isn't that right? It's over near Tampa. I don't know. Tampa, Luz, you know, not so great. That's why we're over here, right? And, and on this side of the state. And anyways, Luz just doesn't sound like that great of a place. But evidently, something happened at Luz. But he says, I want to change the name of this place because this is none other than the house of God. I want to call it Beth-El. Beth-El. Beth meaning house, El meaning God, house of God. The house of God. In verse 16, look at that. He says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is Bethel and a gateway to heaven. This is Bethel and a gateway to heaven. What was it? What was this place? Bethel? Luz? What is that exact spot? I mean, if, if, if Jacob is having this experience, he's having this dream, and he it literally, he has the vision of a ladder extending to, to the heavens and angels ascending and descending on it, and, and it's in this place called Luz. He changes the name to Bethel. Where is this? Well, if you look it on your map, you pull out your Bible map. If you have a Bible, if you have a physical copy, yeah, there's maps in the back. You're well aware of that, right? <laughs> This is what you read when you were a kid, when you were bored, when someone was preaching. What'd you do? Oh, you didn't have a cell phone. You didn't have a smartphone to look up on the internet, the ball game scores and all that. See what happened with Virginia losing or whatever. No, you looked at the maps. You studied the maps in the back of the book. And if you look on that map, you, found, you find Luz, you find Bethel. Where is it? It's just north of Jerusalem, right? It's not that far from Jerusalem. So wait a second. This place is where Jacob goes and sleeps for the night on a rock pillow and sees a ladder going up to the heavens, angels ascending, descending upon it? Well, we need to go. I mean, this is none other than Bethel. This is the house of God. This is, the, this is where the stairway to heaven is. This is where Jacob's ladder was. This is the place. I mean, we really, I mean, what should we do? What should we do? I mean, if, if, if I don't know how much money you have, but we can get on the phone right now. I can book us some tickets. We can call up El Al. What's that? That's God's airline, right? El Al, it's an Israeli airline. We can call them up. We can get some tickets. Yeah, when you fly to Israel, if you go to Israel, you fly on El Al. Amen? God's airline. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I've actually flown on them. Anybody here flown on El Al? Yeah, yeah. And so anyways... Um, and get your kosher meal and all, all this is good stuff. 
So we get, get on our El Al flight. We'll fly into Ben Gurion International Airport. We'll get, we'll get some type of a transport to take us up from Ben Gurion. And so that we can get to this place, so that we can get to Luz, so that we can get to Bethel. Why? Because Jacob saw a stairway to heaven here. He saw a ladder with angels ascending and descending. We need to go, don't we? Somebody want to go? Yeah. Well, let's go. We'll see how many, if I walked out the door right now, if you're coming, you're coming now, we're just going to go straight to the airport. <laughs> Here's the fact. We don't need to do that. We don't need to, we don't need to go to that spot. Why? Because Jesus told us where the stairway to heaven is. You say, What? Led Zeppelin sang about it, but Jesus told us where the stairway to heaven is. Where is that? Turn with me to John chapter 1. Pick it up, verse 43. I'm going to read a few verses here. This is when Jesus was calling a couple of the people to be his disciples. And it says this, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Verse 51. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. What is this? What is this? Where's the stairway to heaven? It's none other than Jesus of Nazareth. He's the stairway to heaven. Jesus is the ladder to the Father. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. Jesus put it this way later in the same gospel. This is chapter 1. If you go to John chapter 14, verse 6, very familiar passage to most of us. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so do we need to get on the airport, go to the airport and get over there? Although that would be fun. And we could definitely do it. We could go over there and just, you know, have some good salad and pita and all that stuff. But the stairway to heaven, who is it? It's none other than Jesus Christ. From this time forward, you will see the angels ascending and descending upon who? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, on the path of faith, we follow the stairway. You follow the stairway. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus. And you can't, as I said in the opening, the Bible teaches you can't 
earn this. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a gift of God's grace. And he gives that access. He's the door. Enter through him. He's the stairway. You get to the Father through him. So, wow, what an incredible, incredible thing, incredible experience that that Jacob had. And I, I really think that, you know, this is an understanding that you have to come to as a Christian. And if you come to this understanding earlier rather than later, I think that you can begin, you know, you can begin like kind of on the express path of faith. There's a lot of people that, you know, get saved and whatever, and then they get off the wrong, they get on the wrong exit or something. They feel like, oh, now I'm going to work for the Lord and I'm going to find favor with the Lord through these works. And, and well, Charles, what do you mean? Are you sure about that? Yeah, the, the landscape of Christianity is full of faiths, different versions that have basically become works-based theologies. Works-based, which means you've got to work for the Lord. You've got to earn. You've got to kind of tip the balance of the scales in your favor so that God will grant you that access to the stairway of heaven. And we've got to realize that that's not it at all, that we have access through the door to the stairway to heaven, which is Jesus Christ. It's, it, 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 is, it is the gift of God. Amen? It is the gift of God. Now, people say, well, you know, getting to heaven is the gift of God. But if you read that passage very clearly, it's like it's the gift of God. (laughs) When you get him, Christian, you get everything that you need. When you get him, you get everything that you need. And Paul put it this way in Colossians. 2.10, you are complete in him. So what was Jacob's response? Jacob finished this up. He rose in the morning, verse 18, took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. What is this that he is saying to the Lord? You know, I think this is really, and I'll close with this. This is really the correct, correct response to the Lord. Because what is it that the Lord is looking for? Is he looking for you to do all these things and jump through all these hoops? No. All those things, the good works that he has planned in advance that you should walk in them, those things are responses. Those are things because, because you have been set free, because you have found him, because you have been born again into the kingdom, into the family of God, because now you're walking in the good works. This is the response. God will be my God. God will be my God. 
if, if, if you've done these things, if you have come to me in such a way, you have promised these things, Lord, thank you. You will be my God. You will be my God. And that's the faith that the Lord, that is the responsive faith that the Lord is looking for. We, in our English language, and I say this over and over again because we have to understand this, faith in our English language has so much become an idea of, of an intellectual assent to a concept. And it's partially that, but it's more so coming to a place where you're saying, God, you are my God. I give my life to you. I give myself to you. I pledge my allegiance, my loyalty, my faith and trust is in you. And that is the response that God is looking for. So, the stairway to heaven. Can you buy it? Can you earn it? Can you achieve it in some other way? No. It's the gift of God. And it is literally Jesus Christ, the gift of God. And if you'll respond to him, if you'll believe upon him, he's going to bless you. He's going to be with you. And you'll have that direct access to the very throne of heaven all of your days. And when you close your eyes and breathe your last, you will go directly into the presence, the very manifest presence of God Almighty.